So, Chris, the people want to know our secrets. How did we get this podcast started? Yeah, kind of a crazy story. We were both coming into this from the YouTube side, have never really done anything podcast-wise. We looked around, found Anchor by Spotify, really great service. It's completely free to use. They have some great stuff that you can just upload straight onto the website. You can actually record on the website. It's everything you need to make a podcast all in one place. Download the Anchor app or go to anchor.fm to get started. Welcome into another episode of So Rare in the States. This is Chris, the MLS card guy, and today I am joined by my co-host Najee. How are you today, Najee? Doing good, mate. Yeah, just uh, just got back from LA. I managed to do a mini So Rare meetup with um, Sean and Zach, as PSU fans, who does the So Rare Data Pod, and uh, Zachary Poo, I think it is on uh, his screen name on So Rare. And uh, yeah, we all went to the game down in LA. It was good fun. A couple of beers. Nice. Bit shouting, bit of sunshine, so the voice is a bit crackled right now. So you have to bear with me. But it was a, it was a good day out, and uh, yeah, good to good to catch a game with some of the Sora boys. Nice. It's always fun when you can get to uh, to meet up in real life, and definitely looking forward to the uh, the trip to London here as well to uh, plug Nellis a little bit. Um, you're, you're, I, you're I'm going. going. You're going to head yeah. up. Yeah. I'm heading out oh, to that. Are you coming? I remember you, met, you mentioned it going, but I didn't know it was you're, you're fully booked. You're fully oh, in. baby, we're fully booked. We're committed. We're fully committed. And also, John from Predictology is fully committed, too. The whole show's coming over. You got to come with. Wow, yeah. I might have to I might have to reschedule, move some things around, you know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah, you got you to gotta make room for Nellis. That's, that's the rules here. Um, <laughs> but yeah, uh, so definitely looking forward to that and getting to see everybody out there. Um, we do have a guest this week, um, as you may have figured out from the title, but he will be joining us a little bit later to talk through a little Houston Dynamo. We are going to just get started by ourselves today, and we're going to talk through some games. Now, I had a game uh, to work last night, so I didn't get to see anything last night. I did get to see um, one game today, which we'll go over, but uh, Ash, you were, uh, you were bouncing around quite a bit there. You got a, a lot of action in um tell us about the uh tell us about the heartbreaking one that we'll we'll kind of talk about a little bit later as well with Chicago and Houston yeah we'll, we'll touch on it later before but yeah I mean it was it really was a heartbreaker I mean it's even before kickoff it started that way because two days back on a Wednesday Ezra Hendrickson the coach said in his press conference that Jordan Shakiri will get minutes. He didn't guarantee a start, but he was very much leaning for that verbatim, word for word. So I shuffled my teams around. I got him in a couple of lineups. Match day comes out and he's nowhere to be seen. Apparently he's he had a sickness. It was nothing to do with his prior hamstring injury. But Shakiri's out. So so rare wise I'm already I'm already in the mud. And then um nothing in that game Cheered me up. <laughs> nothing, <laughs> nothing, nothing turned it around. I mean, it was kind of a, it's a game that's kind of we. I mean, they were missing a couple of players, but it's still there for the taking. And at this point of the season, it's kind of every game's kind of a must-win for Chicago. I was, and uh, they just didn't play like it. I mean, yeah, we'll get into it a bit. Some of the players that didn't perform, but yeah, I mean, Houston, it's hot. It's tough to go to. I get they're not a bad side, but. They just, Chicago just was so passive defensively. A couple okay attacks. They've still got some talent in the team. Gaston Jimenez had a good game and Mueller. But realistically, 
yeah, they went 1-0 down to kind of a soft goal. And then they're going into half-time at 1-0 and I was still thinking, oh, maybe there's something in the game, like maybe they can get a draw, you know, something to fight for in the second half. And then first half stoppage time, um, really, really soft goal. They conceded 2-0 down. That was pretty much game over, all she wrote. Um, yeah, so it looks like Chicago's battling out with you boys for uh, the wooden spoon in uh, <laughs> in the MLS at a minute. I don't see it getting much better. So It'll be a great race to the bottom. and Maybe we'll have like a little bet on who, who actually wins the wooden spoon here because it's definitely going to be one of us too. Like everybody else in the league, even Miami got a result. Um, even everybody else in the league is like getting results and racking up points. And our two teams just look totally hopeless. Um, and I know you actually watched the DC game. I didn't get to because I was working. And you said DC were the only team that looked worse than Chicago last night. So yeah, it's uh, it's uh, it's no bueno time right now for both of us. Yeah, it's sad times. Like I mean, I, I kind of did it to myself. Like I should have known better after being a West Ham fan for all them years of just like decades of pain and misery and then I somehow pick up Chicago or just just as West Ham are somehow getting competitive Chicago just there to just ruin, <laughs> ruin my weekends instead so uh, yeah I did that one to myself yeah I did watch a bit of you boys against Nashville and yeah you you made Nashville look like a free-flowing attacking team they, they banged three goals in pretty easily came yeah. over like you see you did get a consolation kind of a soft one but um, yeah, all right. Taxi was in the lineup this week, so I needed that consolation call. There you go. Yeah, at least there's some, at least there's some hope for you that uh, yeah. I didn't get with Shakiri. But yeah, Nashville. I mean, to be fair, I was kind of a bit critical of them before, but Liao was back in the team. He made a yeah. difference, and then he got an assist on the day, I think. And uh, Haney Mukhtar, what we talked about um, last week, how SKC managed to kind of stifle him out of the game. Um, yeah, you didn't learn from that because he kind of ran the game, couple goals, and yeah, I mean for so rare, I've been thinking about Mukhtar and he's. Do you think he's going to stay in the league for a while? Because he's kind of at a weird age and he's got like just enough talent where he could go somewhere. I don't know, and his yeah. price is not quite right. But I mean, he's if they get a little bit better offensively, if they build on it, if they he's on all the set pieces, he's. Good player. He scores from open play a lot. Like, I don't know, he's someone so rare wise I'm looking at, but my concern is is he might is he gonna stick around for the rest of his career in the MLS? Like, what do you think? And, uh, yeah, you almost don't want him to score really well because then he gets like the Tati Castellanos treatment where he all of a sudden he's a great player and he has to move again. Like he is a little too young to just be like kind of calling it a career. Um, and he's German, like yeah, and I don't know. I, I would still probably say. I would still probably say he's going to stick around for a little while, but you know, all that can change if he starts banging a couple of goals, banging a couple of assists and teams start to take notice overseas. I mean, well, he kind of, the the thing about him, he kind of done the business last year. um, And everyone was like, well, it's one season, you know, like probably outperformed. And it seems like he's doing it again on a team that's not exactly you know, known for their attacking prowess and he's putting up good numbers and having good performances again. So once he dispels like the one season wonder kind of questions, does he start looking at a move or or does he, yeah, does he, is he, he's kind of that really middling age. I think he's 27, which is like, I, I don't even know what to make of that. You know, like if he was any younger, I'd be like, all right, he's going to probably try and get one big move to Europe again. Sure. Yeah, he's German born, but 
if he was like two years older, I'd be like, yeah, he's a lock. He's in the MLS. He's chilling. DP. He's kind of in that weird middle ground. But um, yeah, he's an interesting player for so rare because he's just he did the business last year and he's doing it again. And he's kind of all over the field for them. And Nashville, once they figure their stuff out, they, they're not a bad side at all. So um, yeah, yeah, they're in the playoffs in the West. Like it, they haven't not figured anything out. Right? They've been good. They just haven't been the best team in the West, which is what a lot of people kind of expected them to be based on last year. Um, yeah. I mean, it's, it's, it's a good question. And I don't, I don't know that I have the answer for you because you're right. He's completely in that, in that kind of middle ground. Um, let's see. You, you said you watched a little bit of the uh, Toronto Atlanta game. Um, Luis Arujo got the, uh, got the old goal for me. So he continues to be hotter than the sun. Um, how did Toronto look? Astorio scored. I saw as well. So, yeah, All my guys really got in there. Yeah, yeah, you were flying. Yeah, I mean, um, it was kind of a good game actually. It was a, it, it was a, I I switched it off when the Chicago came game came on, and I ended up having two screens over because it was hard to watch Chicago, and I was kind of flicking back and forth because the Toronto Atlanta game was really open. Osorio is a player. Uh, he's a really nice player. Like he's technical. He's a kind of an all round midfielder. He kind of he's, he's puts up good scores on the Soria Matrix. He's kind of, he has been hitting them. He's been getting decisives. Yeah. And I, I keep thinking, you know, this may be like four or five weeks ago you were talking about him and I kept thinking, yeah, but he's like, is he going to keep that up? And he kind of, kind of is, you know, he keeps getting them. So, um, yeah, I, I keep thinking his eyes, like he's kind of outperforming what he should in terms of decisives, but he keeps popping up and the rest of his game is really good. He's an international player. Um, yeah, and he got on the score sheet again. Araujo is the real deal. And yeah. I did pick one up as well. I know you had one for a while. I picked one up a couple of weeks back. And uh, I think he's he's just been on fire since I got him. So he's becoming a bit of a cult hero in my gallery too. Yeah. And it's just like, like you said, in we'd had discussions about, I think forwards the hardest, the biggest gap between like elite and then like everyone else. And Luis Araujo, for so rare wise and for MLS, he is in that top percentage. He's a, he's a he's top player because he's, his AA score, all round score, is phenomenal. And he's not he's not just getting it from set pieces like some of these forwards. You know, like even when you think of yeah. Insigne at, um, at Napoli, he get great all round scores because he's taking all the corners and that all adds up. But um, Araujo doesn't. He shares them with Brooks Lennon, usually, who did get injured in the warm-up for this game. So I don't know if you saw that. No, um, not sure heartbreaking one. Yeah, I'm not sure how serious it is, but he has something to keep an eye on for the managers. From what, from what I heard, it was, like, very serious. Like, it was like he's probably done for the year. But uh, Yeah, Atlanta's I, just... I don't know. They're cursed, yeah. man. DC yeah. was like this last year. Like, DC was absolutely cursed with injuries last year. We, we had one game where we only had 14 people available. Because we had so many, we had 14 people out injured at one time. It was absolutely yeah. absurd. And they've um, all been kind of weird, freaky, like non-contact injuries too. Right, so. right. Not like but, little little strains or anything too. It's been serious injury. But it's um, kind of mad because they've still got like so much talent left. They they were definitely right? in the, they were in yeah. the game yesterday, and um, you know, like they could, it could have gone either way going into the second half. Um, and Ralph Prizo scored an absolute worldie, like first time left foot, 
just bend it in from the edge of the box. And I know he's someone that you had hopes for that hasn't quite done it, but maybe that can give him a kick up the ass to start, you know, performing slightly better. Um, yeah, yeah, and he and starts Toronto, going. He's scary. He's scary. Yeah, man. He's really yeah good. and Toronto have a few of them like young players where you just see this flash of like, oh, that was pretty, you know, like this flash of ability, this talent. But they still not quite. You got they got um, Rotti. He he came back from. Uh, I think he's been injured for part of the yeah. season. Yeah. Um, Schaefelberg too looks a good young yeah. player, good left foot. And um, is it Jaden Nelson? Yep, Nelson's yeah. been in the team, but he's been he's been really good this year. Yeah, he's been so he's so dynamic, and I, you know, he's not quite getting the decisives, you know, and stuff that. Maybe he should, but when on the eye, I was watching him and he looks like kind of a, you know, he's he's getting on the ball. He's trying to beat people. And I didn't yeah. realize, I looked him up on Surya that I didn't realize he was that young. Like he's still really young and like a lot of talent too. Um, we haven't even spoke about Ayo Akinola again. Who who's has been, done it. Who has done yeah. it. He scored 10 goals in this league before. Yeah. And he's getting yeah, back Toronto. into the rhythm. So like this, there's some kind of pieces and they're picking up a couple like, results and like, they're just churning along, and there's a lot of Lorenzo Insigne arrived this week in Toronto. They did a big welcome ceremony. Seems like the Crescito deal is probably going to go through now. So there's some there's some things happening up there. Uh, I think there's some room for excitement. Is you know, on, and Atlanta, it's just kind of like it feels like they're just an uphill battle at the minute. They can't really get results. They've got a lot of talent. There was probably massive expectation at the start of the season. And it's kind of been injury blow, and then they're not quite getting a result. So this game could have gone either way. Um, but yeah, like I mean, I I was happy because Araujo got on the score sheet. He got a really nice score. But um, if I was an Atlanta yeah. fan, I'd be a bit yeah cursing my luck a bit. I think I think I'm going to start really banging the drum here for Toronto because I was kind of before the season I had a feeling this might kind of be how their season goes, like a little. You know, slow start as Bradley kind of gets everything together and they got a lot of young guys who probably aren't quite ready yet. But boy, once they get started, it's going to be tough to stop them. And they get Nelson going and they get Akinola going and they get Marshall Ruddy going and they bring in Insigne, they bring in Crescito, they have Osorio. Like every time Osorio misses a game, they lose. Um, and he plays and they win. It's it's kind of absurd. Um, so they, Toronto, they are way down in the Eastern Conference last I looked, but they've picked up a couple of results. So, I mean, they're not out of it yet. They're definitely not in, in Chicago, D.C. land. Um, I, I'll be interested to watch them, and they could have a really nice stack at some point with, with Jimenez and Insigne and Osorio and Salcedo and all these guys. Like, they I mean, they, really still have have P- P- they still have Pozuelo. Pozuelo. I even mentioned he's a top talent in the league. Like, I mean... Yeah, it kind of kind of seems like Pozuelo's on the outs, though. I don't know if I trust it. I don't know if I trust him anymore because he won't play defensive. He won't play defensively, and that's what Bradley wants. And I don't think. Uh, I, I think mean, I could see they... Insigne just replacing Pozuelo, and Pozuelo being kind of, you know, out of favor. I don't. I think if Pozuelo is fit and available, he gets on the field because he's he's a good player. He is. I know what you're saying. He is. Yeah. I know what you're saying, but he's a. He's a top talent in the MLS, and he's not like he's he, he just is what he is. It's, I think it, I think that would be a failure on Bob Bradley's part if he can't find a way to fit him into a system that works. Because 
you need to play. If you've got a player like that at your disposal, you've got yeah. to play him, in my opinion. I, no, you I agree. Got think, you've got to figure it out. I don't know. I mean, like, I don't see why they can't play like the Bradley and Osorio in like almost a double pivot if, and then to compensate yeah. and put Pozuelo in the 10 and then maybe play Insigne, Jimenez, Ayo up front. That seems to make some sense. And then you've got the young guys to bring on fresh legs. Uh, I mean... I think they've that's got a, that's a great team. I just don't know that Bradley and Pozuelo like each other. And Pozuelo's out of contract at the end of the year. And so it's kind of like both these both parties might just run out the clock because they don't like each other, you know? So I don't I don't know if I trust it. And, but I will say like Pozuelo is uber talented for MLS. So if he's a free agent and he moves somewhere over the offseason, he's going to be absolutely a pickup next year. Do you pretty think much wherever stay? he goes. Do you think he'll stay in the MLS? I think he's one where he's old enough now and he just, he probably will. Yeah. I mean, I, I, I could see that happening for sure. They've, Tom uh, Bogart had a, had a list of potential free agents and, and Pozuelo was on there. And I, I could absolutely see him getting a, a pretty nice contract offer from somebody else um, to, to tempt him to stay. So, yeah, I mean, I, I just, that's a, that's a tricky situation because there's so many guys and you want to get all these young guys playing time. It's like somebody has to sit the bench. And if it, if it ends up being the guy that the manager doesn't like, you know, that, that happens quite a bit, you know, where the most talented player doesn't play. Yeah. No, I mean, I, I could, I, I could see it. I think like the risk is like, I was thinking about getting a Pozuelo to stack with Insigne, but I was thinking the same. I have a feeling he's out the door at the end of the season. But it would be a bit, I don't think Bob Bradley's ego is to the point where he's just going to like drop this guy who's clearly got more talent than like most of the league just because he doesn't necessarily like his work ethic or something. You know what I mean? It it, it just doesn't make sense. I think why he's got him there, he's experienced enough to figure out a way to use him. Well, that's, Uh, that's his, that's his whole system though, right? It's like everybody tracking back and playing defense. And Pozuelo is not a guy that he brought in. Like he took over the team with Pozuelo already there. So I'm I'm just trying to play devil's advocate here. I'm trying. Lorenzo Insigne is not going to be tracking back and playing defense. So. <laughs> <laughs> they they definitely can't have two on the field that don't do that. Then. <laughs> yeah, yeah, we'll no. see. Yeah, yeah, they they look good. There's one some, to watch for sure. Yeah, one to watch for sure. Um, let's see. Let's talk. Let's talk DC. Um, you were actually at a game. We mentioned a little earlier. You had a little server meetup with the LAFC uh, at the LAFC Red Bulls game. How did that? How did that go? Do you remember the game at all? No, yeah, yeah, I remember the game. I mean, um, obviously on LAFC, our guest from last week, Tom, had a real big scoop announcing that Gareth Bale is going to be there. So there was a there was a buzz around it. I saw a couple, you know, actually Sean, the um, PSU fans, was saying that if he knew Bale's shirt number, he would have picked one up from the store already. So... You can yeah. tell the fever's kind of picking up. Um, Carlos Vela got the start, and um, he he looked he he looked up for it. You know, like we've been he got the new deal, the contract. Yeah, yeah. No, that's massive. That's really really huge. And I wonder if the bail signing had anything to do with that. I wonder how it all works. But he signed the deal, and then there's still thoughts about his attitude, and he looked really on it in the game, and. You'll see the goal. He kind of rides a challenge, gets an advantage, and slips Arango in for the opener. Um, and it really is—he really didn't look like someone who's just mailing it in, you know. So maybe yeah. that was the turning point. He's 
got the contract now. He says, all right, I'm going to make a big year of it. I want to win it. He probably sees he's got a real good chance of winning it with a team this year, maybe next year too, and sort of leaving a legacy there in LA. So when you come back to so rare in, in that world where Carlos Vela is on it every week and fully committed and fully focused now, now that looks like a real proposition. It could be some real value there if you're yeah. willing to take that gamble. But still, you, you're still Carlos Vela and you could still just, you know, like it could quickly change. Well, but He could get hurt at any time, which is scary as hell when you're when you're putting this much, you know, capital into one player. The fact that he could just get hurt and, you know, not play is a big risk. But yeah, like you're talking about Pozuelo, Vela, these guys that are uber talented that don't always have the right mentality. When they get that right mentality, they are scary good. When they get on, they are on, man. And they just tear up the world. Like, go back and look at uh, LAFC's. I think it was like 18 or 19, maybe. Carlos Vela scored like 34 goals in 32 games or something like that. Like, he was decisive every single week. It was absurd how much. I, I mean, if, if they had so rare back in that in the day, I'm sure he would have been just absolutely un, unattainable. Like, his price would have been so high. So, if he finds that, good luck trying to get one, you know. If, yeah, if he starts kinda, putting up those scores, good luck. Yeah, I was kind of thinking how does Gareth Bale coming in impact Carlos Vea, both in playing time, but also like set pieces. Gareth Bale can take a free kick and, you know what I mean? Yeah. And Vea is one of them forwards that's getting his all-round score up with set pieces, you know. A little mm. something I was saying, Araujo kind of gets a lot of duels won because he's so fast. Um, I wonder if there's going to be an impact. Do you have any idea, like looking at Gareth Bale now coming in, what are your thoughts on that from a so rare perspective? Do you think that's a card that you'd want to have? It scares me a little bit. Um, what are your thoughts there? So full disclosure, I haven't checked his price on so rare yet because I was looking at him um, around about May after the European season ended as a potential Wales could make the World Cup World Cup card. And I knew he would probably get a move from Real Madrid. So I figured he's only going to move to somewhere where he can play if Wells are in the World Cup. So I looked at his price. His price at that time was like 0.02 or 0.03 for a limited card. It was very reasonable. And I should have picked one up and I just got, you know, sidetracked with other people. But then his price kind of went up when when Wales won or, or uh, won their spot at the World Cup. And I, I don't love this move. I'll be 100% honest. I don't love this move for him to go to LAFC because they have so much talent and he could, he's going to do one of two things. He's going to be the Wales Gareth Bale and he's going to light the league on fire and he's going to be great. Or he's going to be the Real Madrid Gareth Bale that just is kind of there and kind of phoning it in. And that's just, that scares me a little bit because if he does that, they have other guys there that are going to play. Like they have some real talent on that team. And there's real competition just because he's a world-class player doesn't mean he's guaranteed a starting spot. So I think it's a real risk. I don't love it from his perspective. I don't love it from LAFC's perspective. Um, I mean, I guess you want to stockpile as much talent as you can, but like a TAM deal is a pretty big deal. You can bring in a really, and especially with their scouting department, you can bring in a really talented player on a TAM deal. And I don't know if one plus season of Gareth Bale is worth all this money that they're going to spend. It's not a DP, so they can still bring in a DP. I get it, but I don't love it. I think I'm in the minority, but I don't love it. 
I, I mean, I, I think I think from an LAFC standpoint, if you can get Gareth Bale in on a non-DP deal, <laughs> you just do it. Like, I mean, you, the yeah. upside the upside is huge. Like, they are in a privileged position where they actually don't need him to be ninety minutes top level. Like, right. if he can come right. in and win them the playoff games, you know, that's that's kind right. of that's where they're at. Luckily, because they have the talent they do already. I, I think from their point of view, it makes sense. The exposure, the buzz. Like this is a world, world-class player. No, I agree. Like, but when so he like, wants to be a world, world-class player, like he quit on Real Madrid. So that's what yeah. scares me. Is like, I, I'm the, the talent is unarguable. No way that you can argue how good he is, especially for Wales. But when you talk about what he did at Madrid, that just like, what, what is his priority going to be? Is it going to be Wales, golf, Real Madrid, LAFC? Or is it going to be Wales, LAFC, golf? But my my thing with Gareth Bale is even if he, he, I think the biggest risk from a Soria standpoint is that he's coming here and his mentality is I want to live in LA and I'm going to, any excuse to like be injured or be hurt or like any risk of any injury before the World Cup, he's going right. to not play. Right. <laughs> he's going to exactly. just say, I've signed a contract. Um, you know, and someone made, I think it was Laird in like a group chat, like with like with any game where they're playing on artificial turf, he just sits. Like he just doesn't <laughs> play. You know what I mean? Like he's just not gonna yeah. take these risks because from his mentality, like I think that's where he'll be at. He'll wanna be at that World Cup so badly that yeah. I think that the injury aspect and the things like that, like he's not gonna take any extra workload and um yeah, that's why, I mean, I'm looking at his price now for his rare card and the last sales are up to 0.8, which I Oof. think, I mean, too high. it just seems risky. I don't, I think that's... I'd pick up, I'd pick up a Carlos Vela at the similar price or whatever he is now before a Gareth Bale, which might sound a bit crazy, but I'd I rather just think. I'd Bale than Bale too. Yeah, I just I mean, think... that's, that's four Jonathan Osorios for a big Gareth Bale. I mean. Give me four that, Jonathan Osorios is, every day. Is that, is that how you do your uh, your ratios in your head? Like, yeah, that's why my teams are. That's why my teams how, are so bad because I'm like, yeah, I get four Jonathan many, Osorios. How many more Jonathan Osorios you could have got? For, uh, <laughs> yeah, exactly. No, I mean, it'll be interesting yeah, like, to watch. Carlos Vela's point point five nine floor, so he's already Oof. significantly cheaper. He's seventy five percent of the price, and that's not bad. Like, really. I think. I think that shows some intent on his part because he doesn't have to sign another year. He doesn't really need the money. He doesn't need, you know, Vela. So I think he's not he's going to the World Cup. Yeah, he's had other offers. So I think he's just thought probably, oh, whatever. Like, I'm just going to win it this year. I'm going to win it next year and then probably retire. You know what I mean? Like, he's yeah. come to that conclusion. So maybe, maybe he is like, oh, I'm just going to try. I'm going to try and do my best for the next couple of years. And yeah. He's got our last contract. I think he's still getting four million a year. That's not that's not peanuts, you know. So right. I I mean, this is what's wild. Like he his super rare just sold, I think, yesterday for 1.6. And had I known that now, like that seems like bargain. That could potentially be one of the best cards on the platform pretty soon here. So the next um, year at least. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's it's exciting times in LA. Um, and I guess, yeah, that's huge news. Gareth Bow is going to create a buzz around the league. But from a so rare standpoint, it does scare me a little bit. Yeah. 
I don't. Get, I don't you love get a lot of Jonathan Osorio's for that. So. There's a lot of Jonathan Osorio's. I think we. That's what we need to do. We need to just price everybody in Jonathan Osorio now, and like <laughs> the price of Jonathan Osorio goes up, and the price of everybody else goes down. You know, there as, you he, go. as he keeps keeps improving in form before the World Cup. Um, so but I think yeah, that's and, all. And, I mean, to go back to the game, we kind of went on a tangent there, but yeah, we did. That's um, okay. The first half was a bit of a snooze fest, honestly. Like, there's, I think there's one shot on target. Typical New York Red Bulls were kind of aggressive defensively. They weren't pressing as high as they usually do. Yeah. Probably because we spoke about where LAFC have a lot of talent. They have Illy in there. And they're well, kind no, of Well, no, in. it's because of the US Open Cup this week. That's yeah, what I think, anyway. It, it was a hot, hot day down in LA. Yeah. Um, first half. LA just couldn't really break them down. There wasn't many chances in the game. Second half, maybe tired legs opened up a bit. Carlos Vela, um, yeah, like I said, he, the referee sort of gave him an advantage. He could have stayed down, but he, he uh, sort of rode a challenge and played a really nice fruit ball. Arango came on and finished it. And then from then on, the game opened up a bit. And uh, Diego Palacios took his goal really nicely. He came in at the back post, didn't rush it, and finished it like a season centre forward so for a young player he looked good as well so he's one to keep an eye on um, I, I actually might have a look into him to his price too for the under 23s he is as well so he looked like a tidy player and a, a really nice goal from from him and like obviously you get that extra utility in the playoffs too so yeah, um, yeah LAFC are impressive yeah I mean they just keep rolling like Red Bull's great team you know obviously they played at the US Open Cup in the midweek so a little bit of a disadvantage there they fly across the country a little bit of a disadvantage there but LAFC take care of business 2 nothing at home um, the only game that I was able to catch was uh, was earlier today about the first half of the Philly NYCFC game and there's just a small little talking point that, that I think we need to just kind of flesh out and get out there NYCFC's body language is not good right now. Like, coach has left. Ronnie Dyla has gone to Standard Liège. He's a great coach. He did wonders for that organization. They've always been this hyper-talented team with all these stars. They play in New York. Um, and they've got this great team with all this young talent, and there's so much potential in this team. But they've always kind of needed that. They've never had, I should say, that great coach until Ronnie Dyla came. And they won MLS Cup with Ronnie Dyla. And now you see the Red Bulls loss in the midweek at the U.S. Open Cup where they completely lose it. They get two red cards. It was, abs- it was, it was horrible to watch, really. And then they played against Philly. And they were down one nothing in the first half. And it was just like the end of the world. And it was it was kind of hard to watch. So I'm, I'm a to be honest, a little scared about NYCFC. Um, obviously, Talis Magno is, is incredibly talented. Tati Castellanos is incredibly talented. But I need to see these guys continue to play like a team and continue to have the right mindset in order to fully believe that they're going to do well. Because they've always been a good regular season team. They've always had good talent. But then come playoff time, they've always kind of crumbled. And I could see that happening this year with – unless their coach can kind of right the ship a little bit, because they're definitely in a little bit of a rut here. So that that's what you're saying. Like, I mean, I'm just, there's obviously no doubt they're going to be in the playoffs, right. but you're a bit worried that like this young talent that they have, this sort of getting them there, is the mentality going to be there at the end of the season? Yeah. And I, and I don't know that. And Philly is a class team. Like it's very difficult to go into Philly and win. 
Philly won the reverse victor. So I'm not saying that um, I'm not saying that this is just panic because they've lost to Red Bulls and Philly, the two other good teams in the East in you know the space of four days. But I am saying I, they're going to win a ton of games. Like they're gonna they're gonna be fine. They're gonna be one of the top three seeds in the East. But I'm just a little. I, I don't know if I love. I, I don't think they have the top end potential. Let's say that I thought they had maybe two three weeks ago. Do you um, think? Um, do you think the coach leaving has an impact on uh, Castellanos? Like, do you think that makes him more more likely to leave? Like less likely, or he's just going to leave anyway? I thought he was going to leave anyway, but I mean, I don't think this helps at all. All right, so that's going to wrap things up for uh, looking through the match previews. We're going to go ahead and bring on our guest here in just a second. But as we're going through this, guys, just please, if you like the episode, please make sure to leave us a review. Please make sure to uh, follow us on Twitter so that we can get some questions in from you guys uh, and really get to interact a little bit more um, with you guys because we really do enjoy that kind of thing. Um, and it really helps out the show when we can get reviews and everything on Spotify and and, and all that kind of fun stuff. So wherever you're listening, Apple, Spotify, YouTube, like, comment, review, interact with the stuff that helps the search engines find things. And we're going to be back with this week's guest. We are joined by Finn, who is the um, host of the Houston Dynapod, um, one of the best podcasts covering Houston Dynamo, um, and one of the teams that we don't get to talk a whole lot about here. So we're excited to have him on and kind of break down one of those more under-the-radar type teams. Um, Houston had a really good start to the season and then kind of slumped a little bit. They beat Nashi Chicago last night, so I'm sure we'll get to hear a little bit about that. But um, welcome in, Finn. How are you doing? I'm doing great, man. Three points uh, at home, solid win over a struggling club. Can't can't complain. Struggling club, I love it. <laughs> yeah, I uh, mean, it re- it really was a struggle yesterday. I mean, but to be fair, um, I haven't watched too much of Houston this season, and they kind of, you guys did what you needed to do, huh? Like, I mean, you can only beat what's in front of you, and uh, you pretty much shut down most of us offensively and then just took care of business with clinical we are chances you could have had a couple more maybe yeah. but um yeah credit to you guys we were we were terrible on the day um, Every, everybody was disappointed shakiri didn't didn't play though trust me we were man like that's that's a big deal it, it doesn't it doesn't shine the same beating y'all without shakiri on the pitch yeah and do you think do you think like that's the thing where like it happens in europe too but now the mls is getting these big stars like is that something that the Houston fan base is looking forward to, like welcoming a Shakiri and Isigne, like maybe a Gareth Bale now, um, as we've heard recently? Like, do the fan base, do you feel like people get excited when then big names come to town, even though you want to beat them, of course? Considering that we are, we're getting our own big name very soon, yes, always. When Rooney came to town or Zlatan, watching Zlatan was phenomenal. Uh, when those guys come to town, yes, there's more tickets sold. The energy's different. Uh, it's just you get to see a, a world-class player, which you do not get to see every day as a Dynamo fan. We've we've never had it as a Dynamo fan. Like, it's always other people. But like I said, we're getting our own here pretty soon. Yeah, you'll be bringing in Mexican international Hector Herrera pretty soon. And I kind of want to get your mm-hmm. sense of, like, what does this mean for the club? Obviously, you're in a new ownership now. Is this a sign of Houston's going to be a big spender in the future? Or is this just kind of a one-off that kind of fell into place? So we have a new owner, Herrera was much needed new ownership this is a sign that they're serious will this turn us into spenders for the price we're paying for Herrera I hope not because we had to overpay to get him here 
you look at LAFC, they were linked with Bale for what, an hour? And then you're like, oh yeah, he's coming. It took us a month to get Herrera here because we don't have the same uh, climate, Hollywood. We don't have, we can't offer the same as a place like LA. So no, I don't. I think the best thing we can do based on our geographic location is grab these older international team players from Mexico down, you know, but uh, it's huge, man. Season ticket uh, memberships went up 15% and then ticket prices for that match are 50% higher than normal on the resale market. So it's, it's a big deal for us. You mentioned there um, bringing in sort of these, I guess like these older sort of stars from Europe, these older players, you've got someone who was good really uh, yesterday was Quintero. He stood out, but I know he's, his legs aren't quite there. And we talked about it before with the temperature in Houston in the summer. Would you like to see them mix in a few younger sort of DPs, uh, big players coming in as well as these old stars just for, you know, that's going to take a lot of toll on the legs. Someone like Herrera gets around the pitch a lot. Do you think it's going to be a shock to him coming in to Houston, to that temperature, to the climate? And uh, how, how do you expect him to get on once he arrives with you guys? So looking at the temperature and younger DPs, right now our DPs are 25, 25, and then Herrera's 33. Quintero was, uh, his contract as a DP ran out and he was re-signed to a regular one year with an option for one. So he's no longer a DP, which that's fine. But we have a center back that's a DP and that doesn't make any sense. Um, how do we do with the temperature? I, you, know, you know what? I'm happy with what we have so, so far. I don't think our center back teenage Adebe should be a DP. I don't, it's a lot of money. It's, it's a big slot for somebody, uh, but no, no, I, I'm content with what we have so far. What was the second part of the question after the, uh, I was more leading into like, how do you, how quickly do you think Herrera can settle in? Because you oh, see because players coming to the league struggle, but with the summertime in Houston added on top, do you think he can slot right in and make an immediate impact? Or do you think there's going to be sort of a transition period there? I would have to look at what type of system uh, Atletico Madrid played to tell you whether like tactically he could slot in. Temperature-wise, you can't prepare for this. Mexico is plenty hot. They also have elevation. We have this humidity, us, Miami, Orlando, I would say, the three big ones. Uh, no, there's nothing that can prepare you for it. We went out to a, a festival yesterday. Uh, I didn't go to the game, actually. I went to a pride parade because my girlfriend's daughter, was, she's gay. Uh, we walked around for three hours and... and the young kids were passing out. I'm 40. So no, man, you don't get used to this heat ever. <laughs> Never. I want to quickly talk and, and kind of shift it a little bit too and talk about Seba Ferreira because I feel like he was a really big deal signing and I don't know that he's really gotten kind of the publicity that some of the other bigger DPs or younger guys that have come into the league have gotten. What has he meant to the season so far? And, and I mean, it, it looks to me like he's performing really, really well, but is, is that true or not true? It's true. He's got six goals and three assists. And uh, for the first, oh man, 10 games or so, our service to him was non-existent. It, it, was, it was not happening. He barely got any touches. I'll tell you this, up until two matches ago, his XG was lower than Thor Olferson's, who is our backup striker. His XG was lower because of the amount of touches and shots. He'd taken about the same amount of shots as a guy who's played one-fifth of the minutes. Uh, him as a signing, did he get overlooked? Yes, because he is from Paraguay. 
And he went to the, mm-hmm. the team that finished last two years in a row. And to be honest, $4.3 million, I think is what we paid for him. That's a lot for a striker from the Paraguay league. I mean, yeah, he was tearing it up, but like some of us were a little skeptical. Yeah. We love seeing you spend money, but you can't miss an MLS unless you're Atlanta, Atlanta, you could miss, but you, you can't miss an MLS when you're a team like us or we're like DC or like Chicago, you really can't afford to. So, uh, so far, so good. He is man. When the service he's going to get when Herrera is here, because we'll have the ball more and the link up play will be better. He's going to, I predict him to finish with about 14 or 15 goals this year. Ferreira. Yeah. When I, when I was watching the game yesterday, something that stood out was his movement and like, that's a skill, obviously, really important to a forward player. But if you, like you said there, if you're not supplying the service on the end of the movement, it kind of goes to waste. And someone like him seems like he will really benefit as you improve the team, as you start possessing the ball. And he, you, you can put the ball at the end of his runs. And he looked dangerous. He could have had a couple goals yesterday on top of um, whatever he did. And yeah, I think for the rest of the season... He's going to grow leaps and bounds as you guys do too. My, uh, my analogy for him was he's a poor man's Kareem Benzema. He's like Benzema on a budget. He does. He's the same. He doesn't move that fast, but he positions his body. He can hold a play. He can pass. Well, he can use his head. He can do everything pretty well at an MLS level. Therefore he's a poor man's Benzema in my eyes, at least. Well, we had, we have a guy at Chicago and before the season, I think it was Chris mentioned, uh, Kaspar as being the poor man's Robert Lewandowski. And I think he needs to order... Did I say that? <laughs> Somebody did. <laughs> I think we need a formal apology for that because, uh, yeah, Lewandowski's Ooh. name had been taken in vain there. I mean, just to go on a little rant after the game yesterday, I I, I don't know where Casper gets the, uh, the audacity for his attitude. He, he has a Higuain attitude, but he's never had the talent. He, I mean... It was a frustrating performance, and you guys snuffed him out of the back there. And uh, yeah, that's that's all I got to say. It's my mini rant over on that one. Yeah, we're we calmly and quietly have arguably the best left back in the league right now. When we were looking at ratings today, Adam Lundquist, who I don't even know if you've heard of him, average rating per game is almost a seven point two. He's quietly having a really phenomenal season. So yeah, defensively, we hey, we started at the back and we started rebuilding forward. I know Herrera and Ferreira get all the, the press, but that back line has been totally remade the last two seasons. The entire thing, minus Lundquist. Speaking of the back line, I want to talk a little bit about C.B. Clark as well because he's kind of come in from Portland and he's had a, a pretty good season from what I have, uh, have seen. He's kind of been a, a pretty big upgrade at goalkeeper for you guys. Um, obviously you guys play Portland next week. Is this kind of a revenge game? Has he been talking at all about what it means to be playing Portland again? Or, uh, or what are we thinking about for this Portland game? Well, we also have links with Zarek Valentin. Valentin came from Portland as well. Mm-hmm. And as much as I want to beat Portland and dislike them because they are Portland and they're not Houston, um, it's a friendly relationship still between the players and the former club. Like the fans still love Steve Clark, the Portland. Portland fans, they love Steve Clark. They love Zarek Valentin. They're mad at Portland for losing them. What has he meant for us? It means that we can uh, we can distribute the ball a little longer than 15 meters. Uh, he's totally changed the dynamic. We, we went from Marco Marich, who moves kind of like Ivan Drago in Rocky IV. That's how he kind of moved in goal to me. Um, we went from him to a proven MLS starter, a guy that's been there, that's won things, and he does everything well. 
everything well. He's just a little short for my taste, but he's as a keeper, he's only like six one. But yeah, man, he's been a massive upgrade. Very happy with him. And I was I was skeptical on him too because he's a 34-year-old goalkeeper. But our new GM, Pat Onstad, is an MLS champion goalkeeper. So I should have listened yeah. to Pat. Yeah, he knows what he's talking about for sure. Um, just one quick follow-up with that one as well. Do you think Stevie sticks around next year, or do you think this is like a one-year deal, two-year deal? How, how does it go? I think this is going to be a two-year deal. Um, I don't know what his contract is right now, but I don't think we've signed anyone to a one-year deal without at least a team or player option for a following year. Mm-hmm. He needs. I mean, he's a goalkeeper. He's 34. He can play in that position till I don't know if you're Italian in your 40s. 45 or whatever. Uh, so yeah, I hope he sticks around. I, I, like I said, I don't know the contract, but I would imagine he's going to be here at least two years. So, so from the game yesterday, you talked about Steve Clark and the distribution from the back. I noticed that Vera was dropping deep. So in between the center backs and your distribution was really good from back to front. He was able to split the lines from deep and do you think he's obviously an important player for you? I think he was wearing a captain's armband yesterday. From a Soviet standpoint, we kind of like to figure out when a new piece is coming in, who's going to be kind of losing out too. So how do you think, who do you think will be the biggest loser from Herrera coming in, in terms of like playing time, I guess? It'll be Darwin Saren and then Matias Vera. It'll be uh, Sorenza. He's an, an eight, but I think he's a six. And Vera's an eight, but I think he's a six. Uh, I think Sorens because he's 32, he brings in the El Salvadorian fans because he's the captain of that team. And Veda is a captain. Tim Parker's been the captain for two years. Parker's been out nursing an injury and apparently an inability to play defense the last year and a half. And Veda has been the captain, but uh, Seren, it's going to affect him. And then maybe it might turn Darwin Quintero into a super sub. And we move Alberto Catasquia to the starting position. But, I mean, it depends. If they play Quintero on the wing like last night, then Seren. Yeah. I also kind of want to figure out who are kind of the younger guys that are coming along, like as far as maybe academy guys or even guys that have been signed to a little bit of it who are a little bit younger. Um, Who are the guys that kind of are, are either breaking out this year or maybe to keep an eye on for a breakout next year? All right, well, first and foremost, we're going to start with the first ever MLX Next Pro professional signing, Beto Avila, because that was us. He had like five goals in four games down there. We had a hat trick. We brought him up. He's 21 years old. He's a winger. Uh, He appeared at the left wing. He got a start. He's one to watch, Beto Avila. A big one that we're all high on is Brooklyn Reigns. He trained at the Barca USA Academy in, I think it's Phoenix, Mm -hmm. for two seasons. He's a U... 20 U19 men's team player. He's so he's very good. He's very talented. He's 16 years old and he was playing in the open cup games and he was giving it to the USL teams and the, uh, and sporting KC when they came in. Uh, who else? Thor Olferson. He's our draft pick this year. He's play, uh, he plays striker, but they moved him out to the wing. He's one to keep an eye on, especially with the adjustments they've made, how they played him on the wing and he floats into the box to the back post. He scored last night, second goal. We have quite a few, man. Who else is down there? Marcelo Palomino, who left and went on trial with or trained with the German Academy for two years. He's an attacking midfielder, but he's, we've been saying his name for a couple of years and we don't ever see him. We've seen more Brooklyn Reigns and Beto Avila than we've seen of uh, Palomino. But yeah, our pipeline looks really good, but which is, it's, it's unusual for us because 
Our pipeline thus far has produced Tyler Derrick, who uh, committed domestic assault a couple times, and Memo Rodriguez, who's been very below average in his MLS career. So it's looking up, man. Our, our academy's got some good kids coming through, and our, our Dynadose MLS Next Pro team has done a very good job of stockpiling some low-risk, ri- uh, low high-reward guys. Yeah, I mean, I'm going to stoke up the local rivalry a bit here, but we've had um, sort of specialists from Dallas uh, FC on before, and they're very proud of sort of the talent they're able to bring through, and they talk about the amount of talent in Texas and in that area, in that catchment pool. And it is excite you to see Houston starting to capture some of that themselves and start to bring it through because it sounds like that is a bit of a hotbed down there for, for young talent. Oh yeah. Like uh, where are you guys located? Chris, you're in, are you in DC? I'm actually in Pittsburgh. But... Pittsburgh. Okay. And then Nash, um, where are you? I'm in at? California, LA? just North of Los Angeles. So when we go to international matches here, like when the Mexican team comes here, they sell out a 70,000 seat stadium. When the Dynamo play, we sell 13 to 15,000 tickets. Uh, this is the sleeping giant. There's so much potential here and so much talent. And the Hispanic population is booming. They, mostly, like, I'm a, I'm a Caucasian male. When I go to a soccer match at PBVA, I am a minority. But we have in our, our ownership groups until now have not figured out a way to really tap into that demographic. And I think Herrera is the first of what we should see uh, many signings between Mexican men's team players and Houston Dynamo. Cause we've done the Honduran experiment, Panama, El Salvador. We've, we've done that already, but now they're targeting the big boys. So you're really trying to get that. Yeah. That demographic engaged with the club. Just something that I'm interested in is Texas as a state, obviously has free, MLS teams, which is, I think only California does too. We only recognize two though. We only recognize Dallas. <laughs> and Hey, you know what? I'll be honest, man. If you guys talk to a Dallas fan and they're excited about their Academy, ask them how excited they are about the lack of reinvestment from the, the sales. Those guys have been killing it in the transfer market monetarily. Mm-hmm. And they have not reinvested in the team. The stadium is, I mean, their attendance is abysmal and they play an hour outside of Dallas. If that team had reinvested that money the way some of these other places do, FC Dallas would have multiple MLS championships, but they, they haven't. But Pepe, $20 million, can't beat that. It's a good deal. Yeah, and I mean, like, yeah, but Dallas on the field, they're performing to some degree, but I understand what you're saying. They've, they've had some really good business, and as a fan, they want to reinvest it back into the infrastructure, the community, and the team itself. From an outsider's perspective, Austin gets a lot of hype because they're like the new franchises, the McConaughey, there's kind of the Austin, the city's kind of blowing up. Dallas, we we attach these sort of big stars that have come out of there. But I feel like a little bit from the outside that Houston doesn't get the same exposure through the media, through sort of the, the whole MLS that you probably think it deserves. Why do you think that is compared to the other two clubs in the region, potentially? Because our growth plan from the day we got here was that of a firework. It was burn bright, burn fast, and then stay out. We were neglected for like a decade, man. We had, we had some of the worst transfer dealings. I mean, we paid almost a million dollars for Corey Baird. Okay. <laughs> we paid almost a million dollars for Corey Baird, three quarters of a million. LAFC made like a quarter of a million or 500,000 and GAM or TAM selling them to us. And he's been awful. We've been 
we've been neglecting the franchise. We had a couple of championships. They didn't invest. It was uh, ran like a business, but now we have an owner who's a bit of a playboy and he has got a chip on his shoulder. So yeah, we no, we don't. And I mean, for Austin, that's the only show in town. The UT's not there. There's nothing there. The round rock express, a double a baseball team. They got nothing to do. And it's, that's a perfect city for soccer. It's like, the, yeah. it's like humid. It's the humid version of Portland. Yeah. yeah so Just a little less, a little less progressive than Portland. They're, they're, they like to think that they're like the blue uh, speck in a sea of red, but Austin people by most means are very conservative. So we bring and they hate back. me and I hate them back. <laughs> Sorry. Sounds like there's some history there. So to bring it back to sort of so rare. So what we might do is looking at tools next season to try and find a team that's going to outperform what they did maybe this year. There's a lot of parity in the MLS. Things change year on year. Although you've got some sort of things to work on, some stuff that you've been, you know, some bad decisions in the past. Do you have optimism for like the seasons coming up for this Houston team for where it's going? Like, is that something that we can keep an eye on to look out for some of their best players to pick up for our game? Because uh, that's what we love to do. Yes, uh, I will tell you right now that the fan base here right now, despite back-to-back -back last place finishes, ownership has came out and said our goal is to spend enough to make the playoffs, and we expect a playoff appearance this year. I'm not going to be unrealistic and say we're going to win. We're not going to win anything, and we're not going to play a playoff match at home. If we make it, we'll play as a seven or six seed. But down the road, yes, and MLS is growing so quickly that I could see them changing the way the playoff structure works. But yes, take, I mean, we've gotten some, some young players in like Vareta, Thor Elferson out of the draft, Coco Karaskia, who's a creative midfielder, uh, who else? Tyler Pasher, who is kind of under the radar and he's just about MLS quality, but he's better as a sub than a, than a starter. We have some young guys, you know, our older guys, Ferreira, I mean, Ferreira, Quintero, Seren, Herrera, who I count. I mean, they're not really ones to look at and Herrera isn't one who's going to light it up on the score sheet, but yeah up top and whoever they end up playing the right wing we don't have a real right winger yet we have Corey baird and then last night we played quintero there so the, the front three up top our midfield is solid our back line is pretty good the front three needs a little help after ferreira but yes that those three up top are ones to keep an eye on and just maybe like last question here just as uh kind of building on that who do you think that they might bring in you've mentioned the uh the the desire to bring in Mexican national team players and try to tap into that market. Is there anybody else that you guys have been rumored to be, you know, linked with or anything like that, that you could see them bringing in either in the summer or over the winter to look out for next year? So we were linked for a few weeks with Diego Linus, who is, whoever he is, he's not playing, right? He left club America or went to club America. We've been linked with Diego Linus after that. Uh, we've been linked with a Honduran striker who obviously is not Mexican, but did you ask me who I would like to see him go after? Yeah. Yeah. Anybody that you think that they could go after or uh, anybody that you've seen that they've been linked with. Uh, like for this season, this next transfer yeah. window. Yeah. Either in, in the summer, one that's coming up or the, or the winter and the off season. Well, we need a win. That's for sure. Left or right. Actually both. Um, and the only one that I've really, because, you know, the, the pool is so big, right? There's hundreds of thousands of professional soccer players. So when I built my criteria, I did this like two weeks ago on my show. When I built my criteria, it was a listener question. I was looking for a domestic who's affordable and who plays in the USL championship and who was on fire. And the name I came back with was uh, 
Daniel Trejo, who, what is he? He's an LAFC guy on loan to Vegas or went from Vegas to LAFC and back. That's really it. Like, I don't, I couldn't go, the rumor, the rumor mill isn't my thing. We have a guy that does all the rumors and right now it's kind of quiet, but all of the dynamo business has been quiet until it's done. We don't know about it till it's done. Like once we hear a rumor, it means it's pretty much done because we haven't heard, you know, ridiculous ones. Nobody said Vela to Houston. No, nobody ever said bail to Houston. So no, nah, we, uh, we'll get some people in and they're going to have to do it smart, but it's such a big pool. I, I like to leave it to the professionals because I could guess all day, you know? Yeah, for sure. Well, we really appreciate you taking the time to come on and kind of break down the, the dynamo for us. And we'll definitely be keeping an eye on them the rest of the season and into next year. Mm-hmm.